Hey guys, and welcome to a long overdue episode of Pickles and Vodka Podcast. I'm Christina, and I am so sorry for neglecting you, uh, my amazing audience, for the last, what what's it been now, two months since I last recorded? It's been a hot minute, and I'd like to say it's just because I've been lazy or it's because I've had no motivation or I couldn't find guests and um, yes those things are kind of true but also I have been in a really bad place mentally uh, for the last few months and I've just kind of been downward spiraling and to be honest I was starting to be pretty suicidal drinking 24-7 and not seeing the point of anything and I started calling people talking about how much I wanted to die. I remember walking down the street with a bottle of vodka in my hand just crying on the phone with my ex pleading with him to take my cat when I died Um, and I think that's when I knew um, it was really bad. No, I I really knew when it was bad when I started self-harming again because Um, I don't know if you guys know, but I used to self-harm as a teenager, but haven't done it in six years. And so the fact that I was starting to do that again was a real wake-up call. So on my therapist's recommendation, I admitted myself to a psych ward for five days. But before that, I had to, I I did have to find someone to take care of my cat. And I want to give a special shout out to my friend Taylor, whom I met in IOP, um, we, we hadn't really talked a bunch before this. We had had a few coffee dates, but nothing too serious. And then the reason I picked her to ask to take care of Ruby was because um, I knew she loved animals. She had a big house with ample room for her pets to roam around. And also I knew she understood what I was going through on a personal level. So I met with her for coffee and um, I asked her the hardest thing I've ever asked anyone, which is I'm about to admit myself to a psych ward. Will you take care of my cat for an undetermined amount of time? (laughs) And not only did she immediately accept, but she offered to drive me to the ER. And then not only did she drive me to the ER, she stayed with me in the ER for 12 hours while I experienced alcohol withdrawals. And honestly, if that's not a true friend, I don't know what is. So shout out to Taylor. You're an angel. So yeah, um, after that horrific ER stay came to an end, I was transported via ambulance to a psych ward in a hospital um, not far from Seattle and stayed there for five days. It's not meant to be a long-term facility. It's just a place to help patients um, just kind of reset and stabilize and be safe um, and, and honestly, that's what it did for me. Um, I feel refreshed. Um, I met a lot of amazing people there with so many tragic stories, just such resilient people. And um, I learned the value of engaging with others rather than isolating in my room. Just honestly really learned a lot from the patients, but also the staff was amazing. The classes were amazing. I, I got stabilized on my medication. I was able to establish a, a normal sleep schedule for the first time in I don't know how many months. So all in all, it was a really good stay, but I'm really happy to be back home, especially since my mother is here to visit me. 
she flew down last night from Virginia and picked me up from the hospital and is now staying with me for three days. We are going to do all of the touristy things, uh, but first there is something really special we had to do together, which is record a podcast episode. So hold on to your horses because this one's a real treat. Uh, Before I launch into our interview, I just want to say if you're still following this account, I appreciate you so much. I know a lot of you volunteered to be guests a while back, but I have a terrible memory and I've lost track of a bunch of messages. But um, if you still want to be a guest, please hit me up, picklesandvodkapodcast at gmail.com or on any of my social media. You know where to find me. Uh, I love you guys, and thanks for sticking along on this wild ride, and uh, for any of you who knew what I was going through and reached out, I appreciate you so much, and you are the reason that I keep doing this podcast. All right, here is our interview. Today, I have a very special guest. How long have you known me? I have known her for 26 years. Sounds like a pretty... Old friend. Yeah, I you, old could, you friend. could say we're buds. <laughs> yes. Yeah, we know a lot about each other. Yes. I don't think you have any other friends that love you quite as much either. And that's yeah. saying a lot. That That is. <laughs> I think she might love me more than even my cat. And that's saying yes. a lot. Yes, um, I okay, do. so I have here in the studio with me today my mother... The one and only Ginger Lou. <laughs> yes, the, you, she always calls me the amazing Ginger Lou. I've never called you that. What, I thought you always call me. What do you think, call me? Do you want me to call you that? No. What do you always call me? <laughs> the is one this, and only Ginger the Lou. The one and only Ginger That's Lou. That's what I just yes. said. Yes, okay, sorry. Um, I mean, I can. She is pretty amazing. Um, she has raised seven kids by herself. Pretty much. By myself? No, no, you had help. But you were a stay-at-home mom. Oh, right. I thought you meant like I was a single mother. No, 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 no. My parents that. are still married. They have a great <laughs> marriage. No, um, I'm already messing this up. Um, I'm just trying to pump. Yes, I'm trying yes. to amp you up. Uh, what's yes. the word? Make my intro better than it really is. I'm just trying is. to make you sound good. I actually have a boring but different life. Boring but different. That's mm-hmm. going to be the title. <laughs> Well, okay, so you're obviously uh, my mom. Yes. Um, you're mother of seven kids. Right. Um, you're but the oldest. I am the oldest. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously you have a story of your own Yes. Um, that you want to share here today. In light of the recent events of my life, um, we wanted to do the theme on new beginnings um, because... I'm going through a really rough time, and I know a lot of other people right now that I know are starting over in life, and my mom has a lot of experience with that, and I asked her to come on the podcast, and she was just so excited to share. She's been wanting to come on the podcast for ages. I have. And so, yeah, do you want to start by talking about your childhood? Okay. Going all the way back? Sure. Well... I did have a single mother. My father and my mother divorced, it's Christina's grandparents, when I was about 12, and that was traumatic because I knew they fought a lot, but it still seemed, fighting seemed better than having my dad gone all the time. So I was very athletic, so I think that that was the way I felt good about myself. What kind of athletics did you do? I was a gymnast. 
I, would be, I really excelled at gymnastics. I was a varsity cheerleader only because I was a good gymnast. And I really did. And so once the gymnastics and the cheerleading stopped after high school, that's when I started drinking. I never drank during high school because it would interfere with athletics. And that so. was the most important thing to you. Oh, yes, yes. It was how I was actually good at something. And so that's how I, I got my self-esteem. So once that was gone, I just spiraled into drinking, which then led to an eating disorder. And those pretty much took control of my life. I mean, I... Did you, what kind of support system did you have at the time? Well, my sister was always a good friend, but she was having her own problems. So, and so really that was, and just some, a few high school friends, mostly my drinking buddies were my support system. Uh, It was a happy hour. Wednesday night was nickel beer. I've, you know, every night of the week was some special night, and that just became my life. I did work full-time. Where did you work? See, right out of high school, I worked for a bank, and then I went for an insurance company, and from there, it was my early 20s. I guess I was about 21 or 22, and... Uh, something very drastic happened. I had been drinking at the beach all day, and my sister invited me to a Baptist church revival, and I had no God in my life whatsoever. And so I said, no, I've been drinking today. She said, oh, it's real casual. Come on. So I went, and for me, that was the first time I heard that I could be loved in that deep way. Wait, so you were drunk so. the first time you went to church? I was, I had been drinking all day. So, so I you probably, were drunk? Yeah, I probably you was. You never told me that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. That's funny. So it's not one of my, you know, highlights. I'm not proud of it, but the Baptists sing uh, just as I am. <laughs> no, I just, I came as I was. And anyway, that was the start of major changes in my life. And it wasn't long after that that I became a Christian. And did I stop drinking right away? No. And the eating disorder was just as bad as ever. There was a time I even taught Sunday school, but I would drink uh, before going to teach Sunday school. You never to told little me kids. that. Yep. And I had bottles hidden in the house because I lived at this point now. I'm living with Christian girls, you know, a bunch of fun, loving. Did any Christian of girls, them so. drink also? No, I don't. I don't that you knew so. of? No, I don't think they did. Could they sense that there was something different about you, or were you pretty good at hiding it? I was hiding it, but they knew that that was part of the old ginger. I don't think they knew that it was part of my life then. Um, but I think one thing that has helped me through life is I've been pretty transparent. Yeah. You know, I wear my... Well, it seems like you weren't back then. Right. I was hiding the alcohol. I just thought, oh, it was just something I didn't want to give up. I can and, relate to that. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah. D- were you dating anyone at the time? I was. What wonderful guy. And I, I think that relationship did uh, go south because of the drinking. In fact, he gave... I ended up going to a treatment center for a month, and that was... He tried to support me through that, but he was from a very upper-class family. Mm. And I was just, I didn't fit into that at all. 
Who so. helped you get into the treatment center? My boss at uh, the insurance company, he was an uh, AA sponsor, which I had no idea, and I was his secretary. Wow. So he could see this, the telltale signs. I was coming in. Uh, I would come in to work having just basically, I would wake up, and I didn't even know where I was. Um, but, yeah, he, he saw the signs and said, do you want to go through a treatment center? Time, But, yeah, I went 30 days in the treatment center, and it did keep me sober for 30 days. So that and was, was that good. only for the alcohol, or and it was yes. it for the eating disorder as well? It was just for alcohol. You know, we didn't really talk about bulimia a lot back then. So was it only bulimia? Uh, I think that I didn't do anorexia. It probably started with anorexia, mm-hmm. but then I started binging and purging. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? I'm sure it was alcohol-related. Uh, because so the alcohol definitely came first? Definitely, definitely. Okay. Yeah, if I could go back and figure out what was the root cause, was it daddy issues? Was it blaming myself for my parents' divorce? Was it, I, you know... All of the above. Yes, I, I think I, I constantly wonder, what was the root cause of all that? Um, but, yeah, I was a mess. I was a, such a mess. I was so unhealthy. I was so thin and wearing maternity clothes. Mm -hmm. I never wanted anything that would reveal my shape at all because I always felt so fat. Um, And that that continued for many, many years. So anyway, yeah, I was a mess, and I did go through the treatment center. It didn't go to the, the root causes. I learned a lot about alcohol, how it kills all the platelets. Your body's constantly making platelets. I mean, it's, it's amazing. But, you know, I forgot how many ounces of alcohol would kill one day's worth of platelets. And, so, I, you know, I learned a lot of good. They, they try What's to that? scare you straight. Platelets? It's part of your blood, okay. the, the composition of your blood. Obviously, so, I need more education yeah, it, as it, well. Yeah, it does scare you when you see what that does. But So I I didn't leave there, not ever wanting to, you know, didn't leave there completely cured of alcoholism, but it did, you know, it got, got me sober for 30 days. That's a huge accomplishment. It was huge. It really was. So I did go through the treatment center for 30 days, and I received a lot of support from family and my boss. And his wife, they were amazing. So that was a big step in my. I, and I would go to AA meetings. Of course, I would drink after them, <laughs> but I did go. And was, that was before you became a Christian. Yes. Now, how, how, I'm curious. Did you go to AA after you became a Christian? Before. No, but did you also go after? I can't remember. Um, how did you feel as a non-believer with the whole higher power thing? I didn't mind. You didn't mind? Yeah, I didn't mind. Okay. Yeah, it was helping a lot of people. I, I'm just curious because yeah. a lot of people have problems with it. I, right. I know it, it also depends on the group that you get matched with. I'm so. sure that's right. This is all in Orlando, Florida, by the okay. way. And anyway, and so then I'm sure it was, I, the timeline's a little bit fuzzy, but my my sister had become a Christian and so did your Uncle, uncle Rick, uh, my brother, so... I was the last one to to do that, and when I when something I think we were talking earlier how we when we go for something we go 
hog wild. Like if I want to do a sport, I would go up by all the gear and then I might yeah. not ever continue on. Yeah. So, but with, with, and it was the same with God, you know, I, you weren't sure if it was a phase. I was all right. But I was all in and you talk about support group. I was so supported during that time. And, you know, actually thinking back and I know that this is fragmented, but I, had become a Christian before the treatment center because I got so many cards and letters from all the people in the, the singles department at church. So um, That's beautiful that it, they didn't judge you. Or oh, no, anything. they really didn't. In fact, I still have them, all every single card. Nice. People were writing to me. I was getting so much mail, and for 30 days being in there. That's a long time. Yes, so you became a Christian and you went to rehab and then you right. said you were still drinking though in secret. I was, so I was. when did that stop? How did you get past that? Well, I went to a seminar that talked about getting the garbage out of your thinking and replacing it with uh, the Bible. So I started memorizing the Bible and that's, that's when I have traced that down. And that's when I realized, you know, AA was was wonderful. It was a support group. But that's, since you asked the question, that is when I saw major changes. And I feel like I was getting, my, my mind was in a really, uh, it was a um, cycle. So I, I would do well, but I would always come back to the same point. Well, it, circular, circular. It, it reminds me of um, CBT therapy, which is when you... Cognitive behavioral therapy, I believe it stands for. It's when you um, find bad thoughts and you replace it with something else. Yes. And that's what I'm working on right now with my therapist. So, I mean, what you're describing sounds like a similar process. Yes, I can see that. In fact, if, if a pet dies at around April, and then every April you get those sad feelings because that's the exact time if you can replace that and start putting something uh, exactly. beautiful sparks joy as maria <laughs> would say but um that yeah the same type of thing i would differ in thinking that the bible is um it's it's a lot of power but that's yeah, what happened that, that worked for you and that's amazing it, it and is. i think it is all about finding something healthy to, to replace the the sad thing or the toxic thing and it's incredibly hard to do um, I'm trying to do it myself right now with alcohol mm -hmm. and self-harm and it's really hard right and I think if self-harm was a thing back then I might have done that you know and when Karen Carpenter died oh, that I know Karen but that's exactly that scared me to death because um, as far as I can remember she was getting over her eating disorder when she had her heart attack and that killed her. So that just scared me to death. For I the didn't small, want to die. For the small percentage of listeners who might not know who that is, can oh. you tell the story real quick? Yes. Um, you mean about Karen Carpenter? Yeah. Well, she she and her brother had a famous group, the Carpenters. Like a singing group? They, you know, I don't know if you, surely even some of the younger listeners might know, you know, close to you. They long to be close to you. That was probably their famous. But, yeah, I just, I loved, and I still love her music. And so, but she died uh, very young at the height of their career. She just had a, she had a heart attack. And they, there's a movie, 
on the Lifetime Network on her <laughs> on her life, and that just got to me. I thought, you know, at any time I've I've damaged. I knew I had damaged my teeth from throwing up so much. I'm sorry to be graphic. No, but, you can be as graphic but, as you want on here. But my heart, I just felt like um, I was just unhealthy, and at any time I was like a walking ticking time bomb so I didn't and and her sudden death really got got my attention yeah it made you realize your own Mm -hmm. mortality right and sometimes I struggle with that like uh, Mm -hmm. I was just telling my therapist the other day sometimes I feel like I have no sense of self-preservation like I do I do all these things to hurt my body and Mm -hmm. I either feel like it doesn't affect me or like they haven't caught up with me yet or I don't care because nothing matters mm-hmm. and we're all going to die soon anyway. It's it's like I, w- I w- almost wish I could have that moment that you had where I was like, oh, was oh my God, I'm powerful. destroying myself. That was powerful, but it was gradual. And How it, old were you? I was about 24, 23, okay. I guess. And, and it was gradual. I'm still growing, and it's still, I feel like, a process. Do you want to say how old you are now? I'm 60, the big six zero. And, you know, I was single into my 30s. I got married when I was 33 and had you shortly after. But I think it's amazing, first of all, having seven babies in less than 10 years, that I was that fertile and never got pregnant during those blackout years without drinking and the crazy life I was living to see that you know obviously my my body does know how to get pregnant and have a baby but I just never did during those years do you think it was the eating disorder and it could have been because I know uh, everything was messed up during that time so how long did you was there a moment when you could say I don't have an eating disorder anymore I am recovered well, like with AA, we got our chips, and we always knew when the last time we drank, although I did drink after that. But um, I don't know. It was so gradual. My my thinking about my body changed. My thinking about food changed. And I'm still a work in progress with that. I just had a friend talk to me about a month ago said, you're malnourished, Ginger. I don't think you're eating enough. So I still feel like I... You know, I, your podcast with Caroline really helped me. After crying, I literally <laughs> listened to your podcast as I knew I was going to cry, and you had asked my permission, you know, before sharing some personal I, I warned things. her. She did, and, and that was so wonderful. But I did. I, I cried a lot after that, but um, or during as I listened to it. But I'm, you know, I'm just a, a work in progress still. I've come a long way, but you almost wonder... Will you ever look at, you know, your body and staying healthy? Uh, I think I think I've come a long way now that I'm in my sixties. I yeah, can say. I mean, for me, at twenty six, I still hate my body, and I, mm-hmm. no matter what I weigh, I, I can't seem to get comfortable in my own skin, and it makes me mm-hmm. wonder: is it ever possible? Like, mm-hmm. will I always live with these demons? And I guess that brings us to the topic of this episode, which is um, finding a new normal, or how did you put it? Right. Well, I, I liked beauty from be- from ashes to beauty because I just felt like you, you wonder, am I going to be on this big heap of black ashes? Uh, my life is all, I'm burned out, and 
I don't know that I'll ever really change. I think getting over alcohol was easier than the eating disorder because I made myself not go and buy the alcohol, but food is around you all the time. Yeah. But I do have a very healthy self-image now, and I'm not afraid to eat. I love food. It's, it's. I know that I'm totally over that. I just think I... I will always be learning how how to be healthy, how to what what creates a healthy body. It's yeah, always great you things to really learn. You never were educated in nutrition or no. anything like that. Right. That wasn't part of my growing up years. I, I love your generation is a lot more conscious of that and I'm trying to get her to eat Brussels sprouts later. I'm gagging <laughs> thinking about that. Okay, but you're oh, used Lord. to gross boiled Brussels sprouts. I roast them in the oven, and they're amazing. And because I love you, I will eat a bite of your Brussels sprouts. But that was another thing. We didn't eat vegetables. Uh, my, I'm sure my mother tried to get me to eat vegetables, but I, I had no healthy eating growing up. And so... I, becoming a mother, I had to eat my vegetables because I was telling my kids to eat theirs. Um, but, question. How did becoming pregnant affect your body image issues? Not a bit. I, you know, keep in mind, I was 33 when I got married. And let's see. Yeah, I was 33 when I had you, too, because I got married in November and I had you the following July. You, you were due in September. I had a button that said, baby due in September. And you came <laughs> I've in always July. been really impatient. Yes. But no, I, I love being pregnant. In fact, it was sad to me that I didn't ever get to get huge with you. I was barely even showing, it felt like, when you, when you were delivered. Andrew came at 42 weeks, and I was huge with him. Yeah, I bet you wished for the preemie then. But I'm telling you, I um, even after having babies, I was at my pre-pregnancy weight quick, shortly after, even after nursing. So I think that's what has helped me, uh, the fallacy of thinking that you cannot possibly enjoy food without, you know, weighing 600 pounds. Yeah. Which is what you look at, you know, you look at yourself in the mirror and you see a 600-pound person. At least I did. Yeah. I just, I saw it. So the healthier my mind got, and I already told you how I, you know, I changed the, my thinking yeah. with um, memorizing the Bible. But uh, the healthier my mind got. So you basically I distracted yourself with something healthy. I did. I did. That's hard to do. It's not easy. I I still have to grow in that area. So you're my mother, and you see me more clearly than probably anyone. What words of wisdom would you have for me in this time of my life? Well, the Bible says love your neighbor as yourself. Love yourself, girl. Love yourself. See how awesome you are. But it's so sad as a mother, you think, okay, I went through this hell. So I hope none of my kids will ever go through this. So to see you struggling with the same things I went through just breaks my heart. And so uh, that makes me sad. But I know if I can get through it, you can get through it. What would you have told yourself then as as a young woman 
in the throes of this stuff for the first time. Then I'm loved. I, th- I don't know, is it from being from a broken home or not having a dad affirm me? I wish I would have known how deeply loved I am. And that way I could love myself and now I can be a lover of everybody that comes into my life. And you do an amazing job at that. At this woman, like everyone she comes into contact with is like an instant best friend. It's it's crazy. We'll be oh. like in line at the grocery store and she'll be taking forever and it's because <laughs> she's making friends with the cashier and learning all about their life. Like I wish I had this skill to be honest. Well, and we we are opposites. We're so opposite in well, so many ways. I think we're That's pretty similar. I mean, you just as you just said, we That's struggle true. with the same things. Mm-hmm. Um, we we are very similar. We have similar senses of humor. Yes, we do. Obviously, but yeah, how are we different? Would you say you're more focused, more driven? Really? If I ever am half as focused and driven as you, I would be happy. I can tend to be lazy, and you are not. You, uh, you need to learn to relax. Yeah, so that's, that's one thing that I really appreciated about my hospital stay was that it forced me to just relax and not have an agenda um, sober. In, in the past, the only way I've been able to relax is by drinking, mm-hmm. like by numbing myself with alcohol because I, I don't know what it is. If I'm sitting still, I just feel guilty. And so, yeah, that's, that's definitely... One thing I've always appreciated about you is that you, you know, you have your rituals, you know, even when you're folding clothes, you know, you're Mm -hmm. eating ice cream and watching TLC, like that's Mm -hmm. your thing. You always had nap times in the afternoon, like nap times were a big deal in our house growing up, like from one to three, no one sanity, it was quiet time. I always hated it even then, (laughs) but, um, there's something to be said for just, being yes in the moment letting yourself chill yeah just because chill. i i was a busy you know with seven children and homeschooling yeah. um that's another thing i personally regret is homeschooling as long as we did i love that you all got foundational years of uh, one-on-one instruction from a teacher who loved you more than anything but there were so many better teachers than i and I'm not a great teacher. I feel like, by God's grace, I'm a great mother. Yeah, but you, I'm you are terrib- a great I'm not mother. a great teacher. Somehow y'all all turned out really smart. You turned out okay, I guess. Yes. But, um, but I, you know, I t- to do it over again, and especially, I had elementary, middle school, and high schoolers all at the same time. So, that. yeah, that, that was something I personally would have changed just because I had too many students to do a great job but no you have a lot of strengths and I think it's fun getting older I'm not out to prove anything I can just love people love myself yes um you know so what does your new beginning look like for you Mm, that's a good question so now you you are approaching a new phase in Mm -hmm. your life almost all your kids are out of the house right right you know what what is your new beginning well and that's a good question I think that through life you go through stages and I was always the mother of seven children but really I have to say that's not my identity anymore I mean who who am I completely separate from seven children wife of a great guy because at any point 
the ebb and flow of life, those things can change overnight. Yeah. Not not just the fact that the kids are leaving the nest, although there are still four living at home right now, <laughs> which is like, goodbye, little warning. birdies, fly away. <laughs> no, but actually my oldest son who is married they just had to li- they needed to live with us for about three weeks so that five of them are home now but <laughs> you loved it but who am I apart from anything else and I think I'm discovering that Christina I don't know for sure you know who I am I, I love God fiercely that's the one thing that will never change and I love my family fiercely but uh, I know that you guys are going to be in and out of my lives. You know, sometimes I love being in Seattle with you right now. I'm in Seattle. She flew out last night to visit me. Um, This morning she picked me up from the hospital, and we have three days to um, enjoy the sunshine in Seattle together. This is the absolute Mount Rainier (laughs) is right you can see this mountain. She won't um, stop um, I, out I I love this place. It's absolutely gorgeous. And so I'm in her, her room. We're recording this podcast, which is something I always wanted to do. But I think I don't want to ever stop growing. I don't want to ever stop investing in the lives of other people. And you're one of the people that I love pouring into. Thanks for letting me. But I I do I do have a lot of regrets from not so much before I made this drastic change with God you know that but it was the mistakes I made I well, I, I think, think it, it helps people to hear about those mistakes because I think there's an there's a stereotype out there that Christians never drink or never make mistakes or if they do they cover it up I, I think it should be something that's spoken about more openly right and I took prescription drugs Um, I abused my prescription drugs for a little window of time and it it was just terrible when was this and this was when this was how I coped this was when we were living in the Chicago dad was actually pastoring a church and so uh, I knew better but that was self-harming and self-medicating well, yeah, I think the t- the terms are interchangeable sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, I-, I feel the same way with alcohol, especially my last bender was where I was just drinking 24-7, and mm-hmm. I- it felt like self-medication. I- the idea mm-hmm. of going without it was just too terrifying. Uh, would you say that was how you felt with this prescription drugs? Right, and finally, your dad took all the medicines to my doctor and said, this is what she's taking. This is a cocktail of meds. And it was such a wake-up call when I ended up being in the hospital for three days detoxing from that stuff. So, you know, you live and you learn. And that's one of those, this is after I have all these kids. And so... And that was a rough time for all of us. It was. Yeah, we won't go into No, no, it was was a, a rough time and... We all dealt in our own ways. Right. So, but I learned from it. I always, I don't mind if I can learn something from my mess ups, then apart from hurting people that you love so much, if it, I, I think it's worth it. If you can learn something and, and become better yeah. as a result. 
And at, in my 60s now, I'm proud of all seven of you kids, and everyone has their issues, I know. Mm-hmm. But I would have seven kids all over again. And you're my pride and joy. You really are. I love you. I love you, too. And I'm still learning, though, and looking forward to seeing what life's going to be like in my 60s now. Yeah, you're. Yeah. it's a new chapter. You can... Yeah. Be whoever you want to be. Right. And you said something really interesting. Um, I want to go back to the whole identity thing. Mm -hmm. Um, You said something really interesting to me on the phone a few months back. It was like a podcast you listened to about identity. Do you remember? Might have been the happiness podcast with Gretchen Rubin and her sister. Didn't you have like an awakening when you listened to that? Yes. And it was, uh, we all have identities and you have to, they talked about invest and you try it out. You invest in whatever your identity. Right now, my only identity was mom of seven kids. So that's and what that you seems sad. In. It, yeah, I, but, I don't think it seems sad. But, I think it, mm-hmm. you need balance. You do need. You can't just pour yourself into us because then once we're gone, what right. do you have? Exactly. But with that said, I, I think it is a great honor and to have been raised by you, and, and oh. I, I think it was a worthy endeavor and. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely an identity that you should be proud of. But your dad's always asking me, what hobbies? You just asked me on our walk uh, an hour ago, what hobbies do you have? And I really do not have any hobbies. And so that is something. I, I need to find something. for Like your dad's a skydiver, and he plays racquetball, and he loves to read, and mm-hmm. He's got and so many other things, and so I think, okay, Ginger, he's always encouraging me. I think maybe I'll start line dancing. Oh. I love to dance, okay. but I don't have an outlet for that. Well, there is so, a country karaoke bar down uh, the street that does line so dancing. So we can go and um, <laughs> just dance. That sounds, I love that kind of stuff. So I'm going to find something, a book club that would make me read or you know oh, so but i'm that's another I'm, thing we don't have in common you mm-hmm. you can dance and i can't <laughs> no i don't think of i don't know of any of the the eight my you know you seven kids and your dad that can really dance so Elizabeth, maybe. yeah she's she's great so anyway. but anyway but i'm you know it's a, life is a ongoing journey and I think that I never want to be on that heap of ashes again, though. That was a dark time in my life that tries to rear its ugly head from time to time. And I have found what will carry me through a lifetime. And I just want, I want what works for you, Christina. Yeah, and I believe I, you're going to find. Everyone needs to find, find what works for them. And don't be afraid to try new things. Mm-hmm. That's true. And that's what this identity thing was. Uh, once you find something try invest something in it and then you might think ah that's really not for me i'm not putting another dime into that but you along the way you might find something that you really like yeah um this podcast is a good example when i started it i was you know i invested a lot of money in the equipment and in hosting and then you know i did a few episodes and i was faced with the dilemma i always am faced with which is um is this for real like am i gonna keep doing this or is this just a phase um and I know I slipped off the wagon for a long time and that was partially due to my mental health and partially due to just you know lack of motivation but 
Ginger Lou is here to help me get the ball rolling again. And you you guys should reach out and let her know what (laughs) hobbies she should try. Yes, I'm open to suggestions. Her email is, (laughs) just kidding. (laughs) I am, I'm open to suggestions and has to be something. I work full time and uh, so something I can slip in in the mornings before about 11 a.m. or at, uh, in the evening after So you guys, uh, DM me, and, um, <laughs> and over the next three days, I will be with her, and I can give her your suggestions in person. That sounds great, and I'm an honor. I'm honored to be here with you, honey, and I am one of your greatest fans. Oh my so god! Keep up the good work. I'll, and remember I'll try. how valuable you are, everybody out there. You are irreplaceable. Nobody has your laugh. No one has the people that you have. And um, so I just think that that has helped me in my life to know how loved I am. Yeah, all you guys out there, if there's one thing I've learned from this whole um, hospitalization experience from hell, um, it's that a lot of people care about me. Mm -hmm. And it's honestly humbling, you know, because a, a few days ago I was, you know, ready to end it all because I really didn't think I mattered. And that I thought no one would miss me. And the fact that all these people are reaching out and saying how much they love me, it's, it's just, I, I've cried so much in the last week, mm-hmm. more than the last two years. It's it's embarrassing. But um, I just want to say that to all of you who feel unloved, you do have people who appreciate you, even if they're just online strangers. Like, there are people who appreciate you and who would miss you. And mm-hmm. um, I'm coming from the, you know, just the other side like I'm not even out of the woods yet um I still don't know what the future holds or how I'm going to feel tomorrow but I today at this moment I'm really glad that I'm still here and um, I want you to hold on even if it's just for another day um you can always reach out to me personally on social media um you can reach out to pickles and vodka podcast at gmail.com I will listen to you it doesn't even have to be a podcast related question like if you just need an ear to listen, I will be here for you. Yes. Do you have any parting words, Ginger Lou? One day at a time. I know that's an old AA saying, but it's it's also in the Bible. Just don't worry about tomorrow. Today has enough problems of its own. You can say just that again. Know how valuable you are and deeply loved. Yeah. All right. Well, we are going to go get our hummus and veggies on. Um, popcorn. And popcorn, yes. Love you guys. Um, hopefully, you're still following me by now. Um, you can go to www.picklesandvodkapodcast.com. I'm still working out a few kinks with Spotify, so not all of the episodes might be on there, but um, you can also listen on Stitcher and Google Play. She's back. I'm back Yay. again. <laughs> I love all you, right. Christina Joy. I love you, too, and I love you guys. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.